Hello, everyone. Welcome to Revolutionary Health. I'm Charles Stevens, and I'm the executive director of the Counter NATO Project, and I'm joined with... I'm David Malbranch. Um, I'm a physician, and uh, I'm laughing because as Alvin was doing the countdown, I kept hearing of Sierra and thinking level up. Five, four, I'm see what sorry. I have to, see what I have to deal with. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We have a really, really important conversation. We do. Um, tonight we're going to talk about heart health. And as always, um, please feel free to like our Facebook page and also like the video. We also ask that you follow us on Twitter at Building Desire and Instagram at uh, Counter Narrative. And also if you could join our email list at thecounternarrative.org. And please feel free to join in on the conversation. If you have any questions, as always, feel free to ask them in the comments, or you can also, um, if you're on Twitter, you can hit us up at hashtag revolutionary health. So what is this we have with us, uh, David? What could you explain what this, what this is? <laughs> okay, y'all. So this is a picture of the heart, or this is a bust um, of the heart. And the heart, I can actually take this off like this, but it sits right here and it's kind of at a leftward angle downward people don't realize it's not just sitting like here but it's actually kind of to the side and when we talk about heart health uh, most people talk about having a heart attack or what we call coronary artery disease and i'm not going to go through everything with the heart but i i and we probably will do more shows in the future on the heart and kind of different aspects of heart health uh, but there are different things we can talk about whether it be the heart muscle working properly whether the valves in between the chambers are working. Uh, but for today, we're going to talk a little bit about the blood supply to the heart. Yes. So if you think of the heart, think of the heart as a big ass muscle. Um, and basically, <laughs> is this in the size of like a regular heart, right? Obviously. No, no, no. This is a little bit larger than what you see a regular heart at, but just for demonstration purposes. Uh, but the heart actually beats about 4,800 times a minute or about 113,000 times during the course of a day. So think of it again as a muscle and it has to kind of work hard. And if you see these vessels right here, blue is always uh, veins that are going back because they don't have oxygen anymore. And the and red the ones travels are the are, veins. Yeah, so what they're doing, they're going to the heart. So these red vessels right here are what's called coronary arteries and they're supplying blood which has oxygen to the muscle. Muscle in any tissue in the body, any organ in the body needs oxygen to survive and particularly muscle so it can contract. When you have a heart attack, one of these blood vessels here is blocked off. So if you can't get blood to the muscle, you can't get oxygen to the muscle and then your muscle actually is gonna die. It's gonna wither away and die. And that's what's happening when you're having a heart attack. Your heart is actually, the muscle is actually dying because it's not getting enough oxygen to work. David, could you say a little bit about what, what do black gay men need to know about heart health? Um, I think we everybody needs to know, especially black gay men, that it's the number one killer of men and women uh, in the United States. It far outpaces everything, HIV, different kinds of cancer, so on and so forth. So it's the one thing that regardless, and I mean, when we talk about black gay men, we're going to talk about HIV kind of in the community and what goes on. And people are always worried about HIV. But when you get older, heart disease is probably the thing you should worry the most about. And it's between the ages of about 40 and 75 that are the main, uh, that's the main age where you're gonna have risk factors of having a heart attack or having heart disease. So so Maurice Franklin says, hello. Hey Maurice. Hey Maurice, what's going on? <laughs> Christopher Bartlett says, hello as well. Excellent, excellent. Ivan says, hello. So tell us if you have any stories or questions about heart attacks. And I think probably 
the biggest question, or the first question that comes up for a lot of people is, what are the signs and symptoms of a heart attack? Will I know what's happening? And the answer is the most classic sign or the most classic presentation for a heart attack is that when they talk about somebody being outside shoveling the snow or they're working out or they're running or they're stressed and their heart is working too fast, think about it this way. When a muscle has to work really hard, um, what's gonna happen is that it's gonna demand more oxygen. It needs more oxygen. And so if you have a blockage in one of these arteries that's supplying it, the more your muscle craves oxygen, the more that defect is gonna show that they're not, they're not getting oxygen to the muscle wall. So that's when you start to have a heart attack. You'll have chest pain. You could have shortness of breath. Uh, you could have a radiating pain that goes up your neck or around to your back. You could start sweating. Um, and have trouble breathing, you could hit, feel your heart racing if it goes into an abnormal rhythm. So those are some of the signs and symptoms that you have. That being said, some people will have something that's similar to a stomach cramp or uh, feeling like they have an ulcer or just some kind of pain. And some people will have a, a symptom almost as if they feel like it's heartburn coming up. And I remember my father had a heart attack years ago. And he, while he was having the heart attack, he was sitting in his chair. And for weeks, he had thought it was something going on with his stomach. And he thought it was just an ulcer or something, something irritating the inside of his stomach. And so he'd take milk and the milk would calm it down. But then one morning when the vessels got blocked off, he was sweating, he was groaning, and he was having the same pain in his stomach. But that's what's called like an equivalent of the chest pain. So it doesn't have to be left-sided chest pain going down your arm, going up your neck. It can actually mimic having an ulcer or having heartburn. And so you have to be careful about those kind of things. So we talked a bit about symptoms and we talked about how, especially black folks, are impacted, but David, could you talk a little bit about how we can uh, help our heart health? Like, how can we improve our heart health? What are some things we can do? Yeah, so I think in, in order, if you're looking at how can I do something good for my health, you have to know the risk factors, right? So you got to know the risk factors of what's going to put me at risk for having a heart attack. So there are a number of ones that have been identified by research for a long period of time that we know influences you having the risk of having a heart attack. Things like high blood pressure, uh, having diabetes, being a smoker, so if you smoke cigarettes, having high cholesterol, and then having a, a strong family history can also cause that as well. Some of the other things we do talk about nowadays, and especially particularly with black gay men who are on HIV medications and living into their 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond, is that when you are living with HIV, regardless of whether you're on medication, you're undetectable or not, your body's in a hyped up state of inflammation. So what we found over the years that men and women living with HIV actually have a higher risk of developing heart disease because of that inflammation. If you think about it this way, this is your blood vessel that's supplying your heart, right? So it's going to the muscle while it's trying to get oxygen there. The way a heart attack happens is that if you have high cholesterol, you have a little bit of a plaque that goes right on the inside of that blood vessel. And then your body has cells called platelets that are trying to kind of stop it. And they may get caught on that cholesterol plaque and then they end up blocking it. So it's almost like a straw that's getting filled. I'd say the analogy would be if you're drinking a shake and a piece of strawberry gets kind of stuck in the middle, the you can't drink the shake as well. And think of that as like the blood flow going to the heart. So your platelets, those cells that are trying to, you know, get through the bloodstream, they get caught on that plaque and then it causes what's called a clot. And then that blood vessel completely blocks off and you can't get oxygen to your muscle wall anymore. So when we talk about things you can control, your blood pressure, um, also, I, I forgot to mention with HIV, being obese, uh, which is described as having a body mass index of over 30, is actually found to be a risk factor. Not exercising, having a very sedentary lifestyle, not uh, engaging in much physical activity, that'll also be a risk factor for heart disease as well. So control your high blood pressure. If you have high cholesterol, 
uh, doing stuff with your diet and or being on medication helps. If you're diabetic, making sure you're on some medication for your diabetes as well. All those things will help. If you're a smoker, please stop smoking. Smoking is the worst thing that can happen to you. It affects the blood vessels in your brain, the blood vessels uh, in your heart. Tobacco, not. Tobacco, not weed. So <laughs> weed hasn't been found to be a, um, a predictor. That's a good distinction. Thank you. So that won't necessarily increase your risk for heart disease, but um, smoking cigarettes will. Uh, Al uh, Alvin, I know you were sharing before we started a story from your life, and I was wondering if you would mind kind of um, sharing again that so David could like react to it. Uh, just um, my mother had high blood pressure, and when she we were giving her blood pressure medicine, as her weight dropped in conjunction, she no longer needed the medicine, but we didn't know, so she started fainting and passing out yeah. because the pressure was actually now too low because she was taking high blood pressure medicine. Yeah, so what Alvin was talking about, if, if some of you didn't hear, yeah. was that his mother was on high blood pressure medications, and then she lost weight. Then her blood pressure went down but she was still on the medications so if your blood pressure goes through too low then you'll get symptoms of like feeling dizzy feeling like you're going to pass out and all those things can happen so one of the things one of the take-homes i think from that story is that you can do certain things to help and i think diet exercise and losing weight are huge things that can help your blood pressure they can help get your blood sugar down and that Therefore, it'll actually reduce your risk of having a heart attack. So if you could think about those things in the past, and when we talk about like racial disparities or racial inequities in heart disease, it all happens because we suffer more from high blood pressure, diabetes, chronic kidney disease, high cholesterol, uh, smoking, all these kind of other things. And we can include HIV, obesity, all those things kind of have a racial disparity among black folks compared to white folks. So again when you look at those risk factors your main thing is controlling the risk factors so they don't lead to the end outcome and so if you can control all those things like family history you may not be able to control and so if you have a father a mother um, other direct relatives who have had heart attacks at an early age you may not be able to control that part of your genetics but a lot of the other things you can control like your diet your weight how often you smoke and people don't realize that drinking actually can cause your blood pressure to go up so if you drink a lot of alcohol, smoke a lot of cigarettes, that'll cause your blood pressure to go up. So cutting down on those things will actually help you. So out. drinking a lot of alcohol along with cigarettes will make your blood pressure go up, well, you say, mm -hmm. which makes you it be more susceptible to having mm -hmm. And not only and, okay. and with heart attacks, it's blood it's blood pressure caused by drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes. But actually when you drink a lot of alcohol, you can also cause your heart to go into irregular rhythms, or you can cause this muscle to get really, really weak. So you go into heart failure if you drink alcohol for a long period of time. So again, these things aren't things that happen immediately, but they happen over a long period of time. So the things you can control, just be very, very aware that you can control them and try to cut down on them. You don't have to absolutely go to cold turkey immediately, but just realize over time, these things have a cumulative effect and will wear your heart down. Again, the heart is a muscle. So over time, when you don't work a muscle or you work a muscle too hard, it gets weak, the muscle gets thinner, and then it won't work as well. So just think of your heart in those terms. So a lot of our viewers uh, work in public health. Yes. And they might look at health, not so much from an individual perspective, but from a community perspective. Right. And so I was wondering if you had any thoughts about how folks that actually work in community health and population health what they need to know about heart disease and how they might need to be thinking about it in terms of health promotion and yes support. so in terms of like public health you think of different things in the community so if you notice and i remember when i was in public health school i went to columbia which was right centered in harlem and if you were on like i lived on 142nd and convent avenue so if you went on 145th and frederick Douglass boulevard 
we always used to joke, but this was kind of the way it was. You see on the corner, there'd be a church, a liquor store, a Chinese food store, um, and something else. But it would be like, like four, a church or something. A church, uh, yeah, it would be like a church, a liquor store, uh, KFC, or some kind of you know fried chicken place, and then a Chinese food restaurant. And all these things are going to be bad for you. Meanwhile, in some of the more affluent white communities, you're going to see things like a Whole Foods, a Trader Joe's, all these kind of healthy options with folks. And so if you think from a public health perspective, what's going on in a lot of these cities of these quick, fast food remedies are actually the things that are really killing us because they're directly available. They're cheap. They're a lot cheaper than Whole Foods, but they kind of drive what's going on with the community. So when I was going to school, we were thinking about things like how can we get community churches to kind of get on board and work with the local farmers market to get more healthier options or bring them in at a discounted price so we could give discounted healthy food to people. Um, how can we pressure uh, politicians in the area to get rid of some of the you know, fried chicken places or the Chinese food restaurants and substitute them with more healthy options. So these are the things on a community level that you can do and on a public health level you can do to really help things out. Because a lot of times if you don't have access, you don't have money, and the only thing around you are bad, shitty foods, that's all you're going to eat. That's I think, a question from Ivan. Uh, what's the question? Hey, Ivan. After he turned 50, his doctor put him on a beard, low dose, and now he has a hematoma on both sides of his brain. Uh, so um, Ivan said he had a, he's, after he turned 50, his doctor put him on low dose bear, which is aspirin, and now he has a hematoma on both sides of his brain. I'm sorry to hear that, Ivan. One of the things uh, that we are starting to learn for a long period of time. We talked about treatment or prevention. If you were pretty healthy, but you had a, a family history of heart disease, or you may have smoked in the past, or you have high blood pressure, the doctor would tell you to take a small baby aspirin a day. It's like a St. Joe's aspirin, a Bears aspirin. It's 81 milligrams. What that aspirin does is it thins the blood. And so remember when we talked about these blood vessels, the cholesterol gets stuck in, and then the blood clots on the inside. If you take that aspirin once a day, it thins the blood enough so that doesn't happen, and then you're gonna prevent yourself from having a heart attack. So what they're finding out right now is that actually that bare aspirin or that baby aspirin may not be as good at preventing heart disease as we once thought. Um, there've been some recent studies that came out earlier in this year saying the benefit actually may not be as good as it was in the past. The caveat with that is that I think over time, we've been more aggressive about treating high blood pressure and treating cholesterol in the patients that come into our clinics. So if you treat the high blood pressure, you get that under control. If the cholesterol is under control, you don't have the plaque, you don't have the high blood pressure that your heart's working against all the time, and therefore you may not need the baby aspirin. So I think if you're on a baby aspirin, you're not having any side effects, um, you can continue on it and it should work pretty well. But if you are having side effects like Ivan mentioned or having any problems with bleeding or local bleed, you brush your teeth and you're bleeding through your mouth, then that may be a situation where you may want to talk to your doctor or your provider and say, do I actually need this? Or, you know, is it good enough that I'm taking care of my blood pressure or my cholesterol? Johnny, um, quick question. So, of course, I spent, um, I spent a, a lot of time dancing, right? And, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of size, so dancing puts a lot of pressure on the heart. Right. And <clears throat> I would have these moments where, you know, you've been going and going and going, <laughs> and I literally have to stop. Because I'm like, I know I'm working my heart too much. Right. Yeah. Um, if an individual either is in that situation or they feel like 
something might be happening, what recommendations would you have for them? Yeah, so Johnny was mentioning, he said, you know, being a man of size, loving to dance, sometimes you can be on the dance floor and be working it out, or even you could be at the gym and running on a treadmill and you just find this place where you're like, okay, I'm getting short of breath, or I feel winded, or I feel really exhausted and you want to slow down. One of the things you can do is mention those kind of symptoms to your primary care provider, specifically if you're over the age of like 40, 45, or you have any of the risk factors that I talked about. If you're in your 20s, um, you may want to get it checked out if you have a family history of high cholesterol or you have a family history of heart attacks. But definitely if you're over 40, it's not something to ignore. And the thing to remember is that when you're actually stressing your heart more, again, it's a muscle. So your heart is going to be demanding more oxygen. If you're not conditioned too well, or if you're not used to dancing like that, or not used to running like that, or if you do have some like small blockages in these arteries right here, what happens that when you work harder, your heart beats faster, it demands more oxygen, and then all of a sudden it's not going to get the oxygen it deserves. And that's when you're going to have the pain, the shortness of breath, all those things that we talked about. And so there are different tests that we can get. They probably start off with some blood tests to make sure, you know, check your blood pressure, check your kidney function, um, check a bunch of other different things there. But then they do tests they call exercise stress tests where they have you run on a treadmill and they actually see when you run really fast, if your heart starts to show that it's not getting enough oxygen to the muscle wall. And then what they do is they'll take EKG pictures, which are just pictures of what your heart looks like when it's beating and correlate that if you get short of breath, if you're having chest pain, and then they can kind of tell you what's going on. There are other tests. Uh, there's one called a system. Maybe there's nuclear stress tests. They can take pictures of your heart and then the gold standard of looking to see if these arteries are blocked is what's called an angiogram, where they actually take a tube and they go in, it's an IV either through your groin, or nowadays they do it through your radial artery right here in your hand, and they go through and they shoot a dye that goes into your heart, and it shows whether the blood is actually passing. And it can tell at a picture at that moment whether you have a blockage to your heart muscle wall. And then they can either open it up with a balloon, which is called a stent, or they can actually, if it's a bunch of vessels that have a problem, then they have to do surgery sometimes and bypass the vessels. The goal is you always want to make sure you're getting enough blood flow to your heart muscle walls. Your heart is beating 113,000 times a day. If that's not getting enough oxygen, it's going to start to get floppy. It's going to start to get weak. It's going to have a lot of different problems. So you want to make sure that if you're feeling anything out of your norm, and it's not just that you've been sitting around or you're deconditioned or anything like that, go to see somebody and mention it. Don't blow it off and wait for it to get to a point where you have a heart attack. Um, David, you kind of referenced this earlier, but could you talk a little bit more about for people living with HIV, what they need to know about heart health. Yeah, so if you are living with HIV and you are on medication, think about it this way. You have a virus in your body that is actually actively fighting with your immune system. Your immune system is trying to keep it at bay. So your immune system and your body in, in respect is in a constant state of inflammation. You think about again, when we had that analogy with the straw, this is your blood vessel going to your heart. If you've got high cholesterol and the cholesterol is getting caked on the inside, it's almost like a tube, like plumbing or piping. Um, they can get some residue or some other stuff on the inside. And then you think about the inflammatory cells, the white blood cells and stuff that are getting stuck here as well. All that inflammation can cause a lot of problems and end up helping to block the heart um, and making sure it's not getting enough blood. And that'll be the main problem. So to me, make sure you're on your medication, but also bring up to your doctor, make sure once you get HIV and once you're on treatment, I think a lot of people get confused and they say, okay, well, as long as I'm undetectable, as long as the HIV is fine, I'm fine. 
And the, the problem with that is that you forget about all the all other things stuff, yeah. that you can actually, you know, succumb yeah. to as you get older. So the good part of having HIV medication, great HIV medication, that people are living longer. But now you have to shift gears and be like, oh, shit. So I'm living longer. Now I live into my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Now I got to deal with all the bullshit that everybody else goes through, plus add the inflammation on top of that as a risk. So inflammation can cause with people living with HIV, you can get arthritis. Um, you can be at increased risk of strokes to the brain. You can do all these things. So again, stay on your medications, but just be aware that it could be a risk factor for heart disease. So make sure you're talking to your providers to understand what your risk may be and how to best go about assessing it. Johnny, can you talk a bit about the, 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 the difference or the link between like heart disease, stroke, hypertension, all these things that we hear a lot? Yeah. But what do they all mean? So when they say like heart disease, they actually mean um, four different things. Okay. So we're talking about the coronary blood vessels. These are the blood vessels that supply the heart muscle. You're talking about the blood vessels that supply oxygen to the brain. So when you have a stroke, you're talking about what's called peripheral arterial disease or PAD, where your blood vessels that are supplying your blood and oxygen to your feet, they can become blocked off and you can lose supply to your feet as well. And then the fourth one, is if you look at the heart, there's a big vessel right here called the aorta. And when the heart pumps blood, this is the main blood vessel that it basically starts branching out and giving blood to the whole body. But sometimes when it travels down here, and imagine like if it's in your heart, this blood vessel is gonna be going down from my chest all the way to my abdomen. And so there are areas on that passageways that goes down where you start to get a ballooning of that big blood vessel or it gets blocked off with some of the cholesterol plaques that we talked about. And so there are those four types. So it's your heart, it's your brain, it's the big blood vessel, the aorta that goes down, and it's your arteries at the end of your feet. Those can cause a lot of problems. So you wanna be able to control all four aspects of that. But what we do know is that a lot of people, once they have some heart disease, they probably have the same kind of disease throughout their whole body. Your cholesterol in your body, if it's high, it's not just gonna pick your heart to block the blood vessels. It's gonna block them everywhere. So in your neck going to your brain, all the way up in your brain, to your feet going down here, to the long aorta going down here, it's gonna block everything. So you have to be careful. Um, the one thing about high blood pressure is that, think about it this way. This heart, this chamber right here is called the left ventricle. It's pumping out blood all the time and it's pushing. If your blood pressure is high, think that the heart is trying to push out all that blood and get that oxygen to all your organs and muscles, but it has to push against something that's harder. Your blood vessels are gonna be stiffer. They're gonna be tighter because of your high blood pressure. And the more your heart is beating, the harder it has to work. So over time, think about this, 113,000 times a day, your heart has to beat against a force that's really pushing against it. So if you can do anything to relax your blood pressure, keep your blood pressure low, it eases the stress that's gonna be on your heart. So your heart doesn't go into failure, it doesn't demand too much oxygen, so you have a heart attack and you won't have all those problems. So there's a lot of ways that you can handle it that I think will be helpful. Alvin, question for you, this might be off the track. I remember um, Heavy D passed away from a blood clot from traveling you know, for too long without getting up does that have anything to relate to the heart or is that more cholesterol like what what causes blood clots? so that's actually a, that's a whole different thing so <clears throat> we talk about heart disease and that's a good question so alvin asked if like heavy d uh had a heart, had a blood clot in his leg that's a completely different thing because a blood clot sits in your <clears throat> veins and so it's just when 
you're on planes for a long period of time, you're not really exercising, the blood that kind of gets to your feet doesn't return back to the heart, so it forms a clot. And then a piece of that clot can break off and go into your lungs and cause you to have what's called a pulmonary embolism or blood clot in your lungs. And so that's a, that's a different thing. Um, think about it this way, with heart disease, it's all about what your heart is pushing out and the blood supply and the oxygen trying to get to all your extremities and trying to get to all your organs. With a blood clot, it's about what's going back to your heart. And so a clot forms in your leg, your leg could swell up like that, and then a piece of it breaks off, goes to your lungs, blocks it off, and then can cause a cardiac arrest. So it can be something that's very serious, but it's a completely different physio physiology that we're talking wow. about here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you, Alvin. <laughs> As always, please, if you have questions or comments, feel free to leave them in the comment section. Um, and also, as I said before, you can uh, hit us up at hashtag Health on Twitter. And I see we have quite a few people. <coughs> so I think, David, just to sum up, um, what are some very immediate things people can do starting now to start protecting their heart health? Like, what are some immediate, like, right now that we can start doing? Um, stop smoking. Okay. Cigarettes, stop drinking as much. Um, we say stop drinking as much. Yeah. Like what? What's a what's a ballpark figure? For? So when they talk about like how toxic alcohol can be, there used to be a time we talked about you'd have to drink a certain amount of drinks every day. But now we know that most people who drink a lot, or maybe people who suffer from alcoholism, don't drink a lot every day. They wait until the weekend, and then they may binge. Which I'm thinking about something I did last weekend, but fortunately that doesn't. <laughs> we'll happen. save that for revolutionary health after dark. After dark, we're going to talk about alcoholism. But you know, so if you can, if you do it that way to kind of cut down on the number of days or the number of drinks you have, that'll be helpful. I think also just knowing when to go into your doctor. Probably a question that a lot of people may be having watching this, like when do I have to get checked? Yeah. So if you have a family history of having heart disease, people having heart attacks. The main things you want to really look out for are high blood pressure, diabetes, and cholesterol. If you have a strong family history of high cholesterol and have or having heart attacks, you want to check your cholesterol levels, probably starting at about 25 to 30. But if you have no risk factors, you could probably wait till about 35. And then after that time, you can do it maybe once a year. Um, a lot of people will ask, well, do I have to fast before I go in to see my doctor to get the blood drawn? Does it have to be on an empty stomach? It's controversial. It used to be back in the day we said don't eat for eight hours before you get your blood drawn and your cholesterol. Then there were some huge studies a few years ago that basically showed that it didn't matter that much. And the main cholesterol you want to find out is, is the cholesterol called LDL. And it's basically what we call the bad cholesterol because that's the one that collects inside the blood vessels and can cause a clot and cause something to break off. So stopping smoking, um, diet, exercise, eating more fruits and vegetables can help as well. Um, working out, all those kind of things can happen. So all the stuff that doesn't taste good, all the stuff that is a pain in the ass to do is what you have to do to protect your health over a long period of time. But I, I, I say when you get into your 40s, like that's the time you really should be looking at, it. especially if you don't have any risk factors. Like if you want to guess a number of when you should be checking up on your heart every year or some of these labs or your blood pressure, I would say like 35 to 40, but definitely over 40. And are there particular exercises that are better for heart health than others? Cardio. Cardio. <laughs> cardio work, yeah. That's why they call it cardio, because what it does is it gets your heart used to beating about, that much. What Yoga is actually good too. Yoga you can do, and even uh, Bikram yoga, if you do it in you know 100 degrees, that'll really put a stress on your heart through one of these things. So, so you don't have to run up a mountain 
or like run on a treadmill at like eight for a long period of time. Even just walking, depending on what your tolerance is, 30 minutes a day is actually gonna help you out a lot. So those are some of the things you can control. You can't control sometimes your family history uh, of cholesterol, heart attacks, or blood pressure, but you can control certain things like smoking, alcohol, um, those kind of things. And I, again, like with HIV, if you, if you think you're gonna be at risk for HIV, uh, condom, safer sex, prep, whatever you choose is going to be best for you with safer sex, because uh, absolutely we can combat HIV now, we can control HIV, but if it's going to be a risk factor for heart disease in the future, you probably don't want to get it. All right. Well, thank you so much, David, for your brilliant insights. I know I learned a lot. I talked a lot today. <laughs> Sorry about being so medically, but um, yeah, we you know we we let we let David get really doctory about once a month. So really you're, doctory you're, you're here. Really doctory. So now I fulfilled my quota. I'm good. <laughs> and as always, thank you so much for joining our show. Huh? Oh, and also Johnny just signaled me. Um, the Counter Nerd Project was is a nominee for the pause awards best video, best video series so yes. please vote for us please vote for us and we're going to drop the link into the comments so please vote for us for that for that um, we're winning so we want to stay winning <laughs> and you can vote as many times as you well, want you know, i want everyone to win so i hope that you know hope that we're, we're all i don't do that i don't do that everyone's a winner everyone's a winner everyone gets um, a participatory <laughs> award these damn millennials but uh, please run our email list also shout out to alvin and johnny our crew who make this happen they're you know behind the scenes making all the stuff happen in our studio our studio guest Nishida, hey, Nishida. Um, Nishida Muhammad, yeah. one of my, <laughs> my, my oldest and dearest friends all right y'all as always every Wednesday seven o'clock eastern time check us out and with that we will be with you next week bye y'all all right bye bye y'all <laughs>